0: I ran
1: Michigan. Like, I don't even know what he's thinking. He's just a complete brickhead. Uh, Brady Kachunk. Thomas is my best friend. I
0: got a lot of good-looking dudes on my team. Mm-hmm. You just got nuke. I them. had. I just had MOC.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode Radic Bonk of Elite Sense Brain, I'm Viata, and as always, I am joined by my co-host who might be mad that I didn't name this after Tyler Mott. Uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's at Erickson's Burner.
0: Hi, yeah, I actually am very upset because I, a fake fan alert, I didn't even know that Vonk were 14. <laughs> I like don't know anything about the Sens prior to like 2013-ish.
1: So. I had to give a, just throw a bone to our older listeners every once in a while, you know? <laughs> I know that some people who listen to this have been following the Sens for even longer than I have. I, I will admit I'm actually not old enough to remember Radic Bonk as an Ottawa Senator. I was like five when he left the team, but I, I do know of him and I know that he wore number 14, so... I, I am giving him a shout out on the podcast.
0: What a shame this isn't going bonkers. Like, this isn't the episode going I know. bonkers. It would have been perfect.
1: I know, I know. I feel like we just keep getting the numbers wrong. It's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, how are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, uh, not much sends news over the last two weeks. So even more than last episode, I've been touching a lot of grass doing a lot of things other than obsessing over the Ottawa Senators hockey team. about you?
0: Same. I have also been touching grass. I was touching grass up until a couple things happened that we will touch on later. So I guess we can jump right into it. Actually, the first thing that happened that made me stop touching grass was Brady Kachuk. Like the event of the century, Brady Kachuk's royal wedding happened. (laughs) Except
1: honestly... I was kind of disappointed at how little content we got out of that. I kept thinking, this is going to be the event. Like, I am, I am seated. (laughs) I am looking at everyone's Instagram stories ready for so much content. And what did we get, you know, Brady and his wife singing Mr. Brightside at a bar and Brady was shirtless, which it was great, but it was like, Brady, at this point, you got to do a little more. Like, you keep singing the same song. It's so predictable at this
0: point. (laughs) It was pretty standard, but I will say, I don't know if you saw, I should have sent this to you in case you didn't see but there was TikTok posted of someone in the wedding party. Yes, I did see that. that. Okay, yeah, it was on Twitter, so I figured you would have seen. But it was to, like, Barbie from the Barbie soundtrack, like the Nicki Minaj song, Barbie World, I think is what it's called, Mm -hmm. with like, Ice Spice and Nicki Minaj. And it was so good. It was, like, amazing, because at the end, Brady and his wife were there, and they, like, lip sang to it, and I was like, this is You're excellent. right. That was good. And
1: I will say still better than any other wedding content, NHL wedding yeah. content we got this summer. And yes, I am talking about Mitch Marner. I don't care if he did a silly dance move down the aisle at his wedding. Brady singing Mr. Brightside at a bar and doing a TikTok was still better than that.
0: Yeah, I will also say for the Mitch Marner heads out there, like he grittied and the reception if it was down the like actual aisle to get married, I would have been like, I didn't even know that. I like, still thought it was lame. Yeah, it wasn't like like okay, it's been done, I and mean, you know what? I guess Brady Check, Mr. Brightside has been done, but Barbie World with Nicki Minaj and Ice Spice was new, and I appreciated that. And yeah, in his child bride era, he's literally twenty three years old. He's turning twenty four in September, you know, right? Like that's he's his he's
1: the first like. He was the first Sens player who was younger than me to make
0: the team. Oh, my gosh. Thankfully, he's still a bit older than me. So I'm like, thank God. But like when Tim oh, Stoetsa gets married, I will be like, I'm geriatric.
1: <laughs> <laughs> also, um, obviously, the big news about that wedding weekend is Claude who
0: didn't show up. The drama. I think he like. Did he say why he didn't show up? Yeah, he
1: had a golf tournament. Like, he was competing
0: at some Ottawa golf tournaments. Which, like, that's Ottawa-pilled. Actually, what is more Ottawa-pilled? Attending Rady Kachuk's wedding or competing in a golf tournament in Ottawa? Like, what? (laughs) Like, what is more, like, Ottawa, like, brain rot? No offense to Giroux. But it's, like, I feel like it's got to be the golf tournament because it's, like, you just got to be in the city. Like, he just, like, if, like, Giroux, if he's away from, like, the city of Ottawa for too long, like, it drains him.
1: I think so too. I also like to think that he just saw the guest list and he saw that like, you know, Mark Stone and Matthew Kachuk would be there and he was like, I am too old for this. Maybe they sat him at the kids table and he was like, no, I'm yeah. not putting up with the Hughes brothers.
0: I will say there was, yeah, there was like a picture of the like che- seating chart that when that was on Twitter and it was like the Hughes brothers and also like, Shane Pinto, Jake Sanderson, Josh Norris. Josh Norris. And it was like, oh my god, like they are being served chicken fingers and fries. (laughs) Like, that was the kids' table for
1: real. Also, the other bit of drama that not enough people were talking about is why was Brady, no, sorry, why was Josh Norris not in the wedding party? He
0: wasn't even a groomsman. Quinn Hughes was, but Josh Norris wasn't. I couldn't figure out who the other Like wedding party people. I kind of assumed they must be like
1: family members like maybe on her side I don't know um but I I wondered if maybe Brady had like one spot for a teammate and he was like I can either have Josh Norris or Quinn Hughes and then he decided to not make Quinn Hughes feel left out for once. I feel like like
0: he saw Quinn Hughes's face and it was just like, okay, yeah, like he needs all the sad face and was like, okay, I'll throw you a bone. He,
1: he looked at Vancouver Canucks cap friendly, and he was like, oh, I got to do this for this guy.
0: Like, yeah, or maybe it's like, I don't know, I guess, Josh Norris's shoulder should be fine now. But maybe he was like risk of re injury. Like, I don't know what the bachelor party was about. So like, <laughs> the karaoke was too enthusiastic. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that was our very own royal wedding. It was
1: pretty cool. And I think it was was it Adam Copland who tweeted that his friend was uh in Italy and saw Brady Kachuk and his wife on their honeymoon, and Brady was shirtless in Crocs at a bar. Which I saw that information. And again, I was like, yeah, what else would he be doing on his honeymoon? That's Brady, shirtless and in Crocs in public. Yeah, was he singing like, Mr. Brightside? Like,
0: <laughs> Honestly, like you know the thing of when Americans, or North Americans even, because Canadians do it too, I guess, when they visit Europe. And it's like, they don't adhere to the customs. Like, people don't like when they come. I feel like Brady Kachuk is like perfect for that like i feel like they hate him there
1: Brady Kachuk makes his own customs. He is just the type of person where he when he walks into a bar shirtless and wearing Crocs, everyone is like, I should be shirtless and wearing Crocs right now. Yeah,
0: it's like, I feel like no shoes, no shirt, like no service. Like, I feel like they see him coming and they're like, nah, never mind. Like, we gotta see what this guy's about. We gotta let him in. It's like in
1: Mean Girls when they keep trying to sabotage Regina George's outfits and stuff and she just owns it and turns it into a new fashion statement, you know? Like, Brady... He, he is a trendsetter. Every, everything he does is the correct thing to
0: do, you know? Exactly. So when you visit, like, wherever he is, like, Italy next year and everyone's wearing Crocs and being shirtless, you'll know where they got it from. Suddenly everyone's favorite song to sing is Mr.
1: Brightside and yeah. everybody's playing it. There's always a bunch of shirtless drunk people singing it at every bar. That's that's Brady Kachuk's influence.
0: They put him on the euro. They're like, oh my god, <laughs> like he's our king. <laughs> <laughs> is that offensive? I don't know. No, it's fine, guys. We're kidding. I would put him.
1: I I would put him on the money.
0: Yeah, we'll put him on the twenty. Oh, because wait, this is a slight tangent. Because like the queen. Like, RIP. Like, did we ever figure out who is replacing her on the community? I feel like 20? that was a discussion long before
1: she died, too. Because yeah. I remember posting jokingly that they should put Marie-Philippe Pune on it. And they had a yeah. bad, like, edit of Marie-Philippe Pune <laughs> with the beers and the cigar after winning one of her many gold medals, um, a very iconic photo of her. And I was like, they should use this specific photo on this $20 bill. And I would still vote for that over Brady, yeah, but I sure. also feel like, a picture of Brady potentially doing his like who wants it thing, something like that, you know, or, or shirtless singing Mr. Brightside. At this point, we have
0: multiple videos that we can choose from. I'm not particularly attached to like most people on the currency. Like I have no Mm. regard for the moose on the quarter, like put Brady on that. (laughs) Like it's fine. (laughs) It's true. But yeah, anyway, congratulations again to Mr. And Mrs. Kachuk. That is, is awesome for you guys. Um, I'm going to ignore that they're like 23 because I'm 23 and it's making me feel weird.
1: So fair. I guess next year we can look forward to the Shabbat wedding and all the the tears that will ensue from Suns players. The
0: next piece of Sense news that happened was the Tarasenko signing. So that was like, OK, the crazy thing about that is that like a random person tweeted hours before right? it happened. Tarasenko to the Sens. And I was like, I'm not gonna interact with this because like I've seen I'm... enough like sash sharnans. to like not it
1: like kind of the same thing? Wasn't it a shit poster? I I don't I didn't fully understand this. I just remember seeing this tweet, I think the morning that the signing was announced, because it was signed it was announced like in the evening. And seeing it in the morning and initially being excited and then going, Wait, why are people sharing this person? It's clearly somebody just like doing
0: a joke right yeah but then i don't know if they just like randomly had intel i have never seen them before and i like ha- nothing's broken since so it's like they haven't had a chance to really prove themselves but shout it to that person because that's incredible and they were like no insider is gonna credit me but like i had it first and i was like damn that's actually they did. real they True. did have it first <laughs> just like
1: how scorch sack has broken like pretty much every bit of hockey news
0: before anyone else and nobody ever credits the scorch stack for always getting it first they are always reporting when something is at the one yard line and they always have it first
1: (laughs) speaking of the timing we will circle back to this topic later but I also want to give a shout out to the Sens for announcing this when I was like halfway through writing my five thoughts for Friday column Uh, Because as some of you may have seen, again, we'll discuss this later, I was called upon to write uh, Silver Seven's weekly segment, Five Thoughts, uh, this past week. And when I sat down to write it, there was absolutely nothing to talk about except the Brady Kachuk wedding. And so I said, I'm just going to do something extremely stupid and not write about any current events and just write a very, very stupid idea. And then as as I was halfway through it, the Tarasenko the Tarasenko signing broke and I was like, well, now this looks even weirder because (laughs) there is actual sense news that a normal person would be writing about in five thoughts. But you know what? There's so little news. I'll just, I'll leave it to the other weekly columns. I know, I know what it's like when there's only one bit of news and two other people have covered it already. So yeah. um, I'm glad that people at least enjoyed my really stupid idea that I ended up publishing, which again, talk about
0: it later yeah we're gonna talk about it later but it was so awesome if you haven't read it after you listen to this podcast or do it together you'll know when you should start reading the column like you'll, we'll tell you'll you. we'll, yeah we'll indicate it but yeah good signing maybe it's funny because um it's so it's five mil for one year and everyone was like whoa like that's really good And then, of course, it came out that Pyridorian actually wanted five mil for four years, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, is he stupid? (laughs) Like, why would we do that?" Um, So, thank you to Tarasenko for saving uh, like Pyridorian from himself. The amount of times that
1: something like this has happened, like at this point, I don't know what to believe because how is it that? Pierre Derion has been saved from himself so many times. Like this happened with the Matt Murray trade that was rumored to happen apparently right before doing the Debrinket trade. Although I guess, you know, in hindsight, it was fine. (laughs) Apparently there was a deal in place to just trade down in the first round with Matt Murray um, and like trade with the Sabres or something. And apparently it was blocked by Matt Murray's no trade clause. There were just, there are so many things like this where it's like, why... Like, there's no way that that was real. There's no way that this man had that has had that many terrible deals in place that have fallen through by no fault of his own, You know, by other parties, by the players deciding not to sign that contract or to block that trade.
0: There's no way this keeps happening. There was also one that was like a Nikita Zaitsev trade to the Canucks, and it would have been a swap. I don't know who it was with. I can't it's remember. With Charlie- Myers yeah to... it was it was gonna be a tie yeah. Nikki decides to swap. for some reason I was thinking OEL because I was like that other bad defenseman who was overpaid on the Canucks um and not on the Canucks anymore sorry OEL but yeah I was like I remember because like we heard basically like that he was going to get traded to Vancouver and then it didn't happen and everyone was pissed because everyone's like we want Nikita Zaitsev off of this team like what the hell and then it was like supposed to be Nikita Zaitsev Tyler Myers I think one for one maybe like some picks thrown in yeah and everyone was like oh my god like thank you to I think Nikita Zaitsev blocked it and I think I theorized that's why Pierre Dorian keeps giving people no trade classes this will be useful later when like I want to make a bad trade like they'll save me so like I think that's why he keeps doing it he doesn't quite
1: trust himself
0: yeah he just it's like it's like when you need like it's like when you're doing something whatever like it sounds like a high security and you need like two guys with the same level of high security to like turn the key at the same time it's like Pierre Dorian has that level of security going on with like all the no trade clauses
1: Man, what a guy. But yeah, when the Sens were rumored to be after him, I was not the biggest fan of that idea, mostly because all of the predictions had the contracts, you know, being several years long, right? Like they would commit to him for four or five years, which would be a terrible idea because the guy is already like, kind of iffy, right? Is he going to play a full season? How effective is he going to be at this point? It's a coin toss. We don't know. So I was not in favor of them giving him a lot of term, but on a 1 year deal, 5 million is pretty reasonable. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Like if he if he ends up on LTIR, they can just add someone at the deadline, whatever, you know. And if it's a huge failure, like it's 1 year and then he's gone before they, you know, really need to pay their stars and stuff. So I feel like it's a fairly like low risk high reward signing
0: yeah people are saying it's like perfect because either it works out and like uh, like sends make the playoffs woohoo or it doesn't work out and like well it's just one year so it really doesn't matter and it does like fill i guess like because DeBrinket brinket got traded you kind of needed another top six winger so he got a pretty good one like i think okay it's Tatar a center or a winger because people keep being like why is Tatar still unsigned and it's like Tatar probably would have been a good option too but I can't remember if he's a center or a winger
1: yeah wait let me look that up right now I have his image page open he's a winger, a left winger. okay so That's
0: Tatar so. probably would have been better but you know we keep it moving <laughs> we um it's fine <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, we don't know what he's asking for in terms of a contract. We don't know
1: if he he wanted to go to Ottawa or anything like that. So I feel like this is pretty, the Sens did pretty well, even though the problem now that like, okay, clearly the Sens have a plan in place. Clearly they know what they're doing, but they literally have no cap space and they need to resign Shane Pinto within like a month now.
0: Yeah, so Shane Pinto, if you are down to make like whatever, like three hundred thousand dollars, yeah, if you would perfect. like to get paid uh,
1: less than the minimum salary, we yeah. would be very much in favor of that.
0: Recently, we've been really pro worker exploitation. So Shane Pinto, <laughs> please, um, but yeah, you know, I if think... you wanted
1: to like play for free for one year, <laughs>
0: well,
1: yeah. like like an internship right after right out of school, right, where you you're unpaid for a little bit,
0: but then it's like eventually you will get a nice well-paying job yeah. if you can do that. He can get paid in wedding invites. It's fine. He probably, he got a free meal by, paid for by Brady Kachuk. He'll get one for Thomas Shabbat. It'll be fine. Like that, that's where the meals are coming from. We will pay for your Chipotle. This is our new offer. Yes.
1: This <laughs> um, is, oh, by the way. Okay. I have to say this one thing. Uh, we did get a comment on our last episode. It's about the, the Chipotle. Okay. Um, apparently so somebody on tumblr i believe it was tumblr user at graves mccar who posts a lot of great Sen's contents they're awesome they um commented on, on our last episode that the um obviously okay we did a mailbag segment and we asked we answered a question about whether which sen would release an animal in a historic landmark in ottawa and they suggested that the rito chipotle would be a good place for one of the scents to release an animal and I agreed with that I just yeah. wanted to, to give that
0: shout out and to say that I agree and you know what I know what I gave the animal I should have said spartacat I was soon I was like oh. damn like they should have released spartacat so the new one is Shane Pinto releases spartacat in <laughs> Rito Chipotle I think
1: that's a good one so yeah, Shane Pinto, if you want to just like hang around and like you have lots of rich teammates, like remember that old video where the Sens players like called each other out and there was a whole question about um who, like which player is the most likely to go to the washroom when the bill is due. And there was this whole rant where Brady Kachuk complained about how he's always paying for his teammates because nobody else wants to pay. Well, Shane Pinto... Brady Kachuk will pay for all your meals, is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. He's the captain. That's part of the responsibility.
1: Exactly. And you know, I think the Sens should just like be honest about who amongst them are the most overpaid players. Like Josh Norris, you gotta be paying everyone's bills here. Everyone's <laughs> calling you overpaid. If people on twitter.com are calling you overpaid all the time, like you gotta you gotta pay all of the meals of your other of your teammates. Thomas Shabbat too. Hate to say it, but he's gotten the overpaid label on Twitter.com. So
0: wait, I like that even though Tim Stutzel makes like however much, like eight point whatever. No, he's underpaid. Yeah, he's underpaid because he's so good, so he's fine. Like he doesn't have to pay, even though he makes so No no no, much. he deserves all his money.
1: Uh, he has to let his parents retire. That's what his oh, money yeah. is being used
0: for. That's very true. Is there anything else we wanted to talk about? That was the Tarasenko signing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think there's much more.
0: Yeah, just pretty good signing. Hopefully he scores a lot of goals. Hopefully he scores more goals than Debrinket. Um, cuz that would make me laugh, but it's definitely I feel like
1: more goals than DeBrinkert did on the Sens is achievable. More goals than DeBrinkert does on the Red Wings less achievable, even though the Red Wings are bad. Less achievable, but I am trying to curse DeBrinkert still, so maybe. And Yeah, it's pretty easy to replace how many goals he gave us. Yeah,
0: especially 5v5, he's a power play merchant, let's talk about it. Exactly. Um, So, welcome Tarasenko, we will discuss his, well let's say, I'm going to tease it for what's literally coming later in this episode, we'll discuss some of his advanced stats, we'll say later on. We will. Um, Um... The next thing that happened in the world of hockey.
1: We were discussing this before recording where we were like, do we want to talk about this? Because on the one hand, we feel like we're not that well informed on what's going on. But on the other hand, we do feel like we're still a better source to talk about this than other people. So we would kind of rather that people hear about this discourse from us. Except you should also listen to the broadcast episode, the next one, whenever that's coming out.
0: Yeah, they will have a good discussion
1: of it. But they're going
0: to talk about it with um, yeah. like Hockey Nuisance and also Perry. Both
1: wonderful people.
0: Yeah. So both awesome of uh, To Hockey With Love fame. So that's going to be mm-hmm. a good episode. Shout out to the broadcast and To Hockey With Love. But basically what happened is there was book talk discourse where if you don't know what book talk is, it is book TikTok. But we're specifically talking about a subsect
1: of book TikTok. Um, that I was unaware of personally as many of you may know I have been involved in many online communities based on books Uh, even long before I was even involved in hockey communities online this was my intro to social media I am not involved in book talk and also books like book social media is way more vicious than you could ever imagine I, I left for a reason but anyways this is a subset of book talk that is apparently focused on specifically hockey romance novels. So, this is original fiction. It is a they are romance novels not involving any real player people or players, but where the male love interest is usually a hockey player and
0: the female protagonist is not a hockey player usually, right? Yes, I believe. So basically I don't read i don't read romance novels and i don't read hockey romance novels but as i can like understand that's what's happening so a very common thing to do also on book talk is to like fan cast people like right so it's like even not hockey romance even if it's like any book right like it's big with marauders too where it's like people will fan cast people so hard that like it almost gets introduced into like the canon where it's like this is a common fan cast of this character even though like. They are not tied to the project, right? Mm-hmm. So something that happens as a result of this on Book I think. If I'm incorrect about any of this, please like, like reply on Twitter or Tumblr or anything, um, and let me know where I went wrong, and we will issue like a statement on the next one. But basically, as I can understand, what happens is because it's specifically hockey romance, a lot of people will like fan cast or like thirst over real life hockey players because it's like, oh, this is like. The character from the book so like even if they're not necessarily fan casting them it does kind of introduce them to like attractive hockey players because it's like you read hockey romance and then potentially you get like introduced to like the more attractive hockey players like nhlers and stuff like that so that's like basically all fine and good right like it's okay to fan cast people and it's okay to like in like to a degree like thirst over people online The issue is that it kind of went quite far with specifically Alex Wenberg. Um, So what happened was there was a few creators, I think, who just like would say very sexually explicit things about Alex Wenberg. Um, And the Seattle Kraken fed into this. So that was odd.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even like, I don't know, the fan casting thing, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but it just feels a lot like a problem I see online a lot with and I see this on hockey in hockey fandom in general where a lot of people will take things that are common like in book communities where there aren't really a lot of real people involved and then apply the same like way or even you know movie or tv show like things fandoms where there aren't necessarily a lot of real people involved and then apply that to like fandoms involving real people and it just seems like I don't know like another it feels just a little bit too out there to fan cast real hockey players in like a role that's very similar to their actual job like fan casts that I'm used to you know back in like my tumblr days were always actors right it's like I would want this actor to play this character in a tv show or I think this mainstream celebrity looks like this character and so I've kind of like fan cast them as that Whereas this time you're just like, oh, what if this real person was in this romance novel basically as himself? I don't know. But yeah, yeah I, I also agree that like it's not, that in itself is not that bad. It's just, it seems to me like that maybe goes a little bit too far,
0: you know? Yeah. And I will say, I'm not sure because I did like look into this, but I couldn't find like essentially where it all started. So I'm not sure if it's a case of like they were fan casting Alex Weinberg like any other player, specifically a lot of Seattle Kraken. We can talk about that Mm. a bit later. But basically, I'm not sure if they were like specifically fan casting or just like kind of a pipeline led them there because they would read Hockey Romance Mm. and then like get into like just looking at what hockey players or like get into the sport of hockey in general or just like. Even if they weren't getting into the actual sport, just like being like, that player is hot. But basically, that's where we like landed, where I'm not sure if they were fan casting specifically or just thinking they were hot, but they thought they were hot in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Seattle Kraken would like post thirst traps of like they posted a thirst trap of Alex Weinberg and like did like a hashtag like book talk. And it was like, OK, so you're inviting this now, like essentially you're inviting people to specifically thirst over these players which is a weird social media strategy in my opinion yeah yeah see that's also another thing i feel like there is a lot of there's
1: a lot more nuance to this than you would think from the way people are talking about it on social media as is always the case with internet discourse but i definitely feel like there's a difference between fans doing that stuff in fan spaces versus the actual social media manager like Yeah, posting thirst traps and encouraging that kind of stuff. It just, it feels like that goes a little bit too close. And I do want to say, like, I do appreciate that the social media manager is, you know, trying out new strategies, is trying to appeal to like a non-traditional fan base for hockey. I think that rocks. I have always been in favor of that kind of stuff. But I do feel like there needs to be an acknowledgement of your players' comfort level. Like, they're probably not going to be very comfortable being sexualized like that, you know?
0: Yeah, and there's a potential that, like, they were comfortable with it, and then, so essentially, where this all happened is that um, Felicia Wenberg posted on her Instagram story essentially being, like, this kind of, like, screenshots of, like, specific things people had said about Alex Wenberg. Um, I'm not going to, like, repeat them, because I feel like that's just kind of, like, perpetuating it more, but, like, like, pretty, like, sexually explicit things that people said about him, and were, like, and was basically saying, like, I view this as sexual harassment, like, if this was... Of like because they're male hockey players people don't really view it like that but if like essentially roles were reversed people would view it like that and I yeah I agree like if people had been saying Mm -hmm. that like obviously sexual harassment against women isn't taken that seriously either but like sometimes but like this is still like it still does fall under sexual harassment like it's sexually explicit things being said about someone literally at their workplace because at one point like one creator was doing that who was doing this a lot um, the Seattle Kraken flew her out for a playoff game, and she was like saying pretty explicit stuff to the players, like at warm up. So I don't know if they could hear, but it's still like that is their workplace. So that's kind of, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. And I
1: mean, I feel like I want to you know, acknowledge that this is a somewhat similar discussion to what we had when we talked about the hotness ranking, um, right, which is where I pulled a bunch of Sens fans, mostly straight men, but, you know, a wide range of Sens fans and hockey fans in general about which Sens players are the hottest. And I remember saying in that episode that, you know, it isn't as simple as just, oh, well, if the rules were reversed, people wouldn't be okay with this. But it's also not as simple as, you know, men just can't experience sexual harassment, right? I think that's a really dangerous attitude for people to have and one that I've unfortunately been seeing a lot um, with this discourse, right? I feel like it's okay. It's possible to both acknowledge that there's a different context with the gender, but also without, you know, immediately saying that it's completely okay to do that, right? Like, it's still sexual harassment when you do this,
0: yeah exactly so eventually also so the creator responded um essentially being like like getting mad at felicia wenberg Mm -hmm. and being like well you said this about your husband and it's like well i'm pretty sure that like felicia wenberg knows what her husband is okay with more than like random people on the internet um and then so uh, and then finally like alex wenberg commented on it and was essentially like i asked my wife to speak on it because like she is better at this than me but like there is a line and like you crossed mm-hmm. it. And I will say also Felicia Wenberg said like, I am okay with people like thinking that my husband is like beautiful and stuff. And like, even if like they wanted to date him and stuff like that, like I would be like upset if they DM'd him, but like, I would understand like that's a normal thing to do when you like mm-hmm. have a crush on someone, but it like crossed the line and saying like very sexually explicit things, which, yeah, I thought that was like a really good, like, explanation of like why it crossed the line where it's like yeah obviously no one's saying like you can't find any person hot where that's funny because on Twitter the discourse went wild and people mm-hmm. are like it's weird to find people you don't know attractive and it's like well no that's not true like you can mm-hmm. find people attractive it just crosses a line at some and like this obviously crossed the line
1: yeah and i mean i feel like it's a tricky discussion because i think that everyone has a different idea of exactly where the line is right not just what kinds of comments you can make but also you know is it okay to make those types of comments behind a locked account that's anonymous and doesn't have your face on it with no chance the player's gonna see it versus is it okay to make it to make that same comment when you know for sure that the player is gonna see it like to you know yell that comment at the player or you know to engage with the social media admin who is in contact with that player, right? Like, where is the line? And I I don't know if we're ever all going to agree on exactly where the line is. And I don't think they're ever going to be, like, very specific... We're ever going to agree on really clear rules about what is appropriate and what isn't. But I think we could still acknowledge that, like, this kind of stuff is definitely
0: inappropriate. Yeah, I agree. And also... Like something I will say is that people don't seem also like people have been taking it kind of too far in the other direction where they are like, like I mentioned, like people being like, you can't find any player attractive or being like, this ruins it for the real fans who only like the sport and don't find any of these people attractive. Mm -hmm. It's like, I think that some people do get into hockey, not just women, like women, men, like non-binary people do sometimes get into hockey because some of the players are attractive. And I think that is okay. Like, I think that is like a valid Mm -hmm. reason to have an interest in something. But I think that it's dangerous to assume that all women or like all, yeah, specifically, it's usually women who are like, like said that they only like the sport because the, because like the men are attractive. Like all women do not do that. But also zero, like, it's not like zero women do that. And it's okay to engage with the sport because you find the players attractive.
1: Yeah, and I've also been seeing a take recently that says that women doing this kind of stuff is the reason that people don't take women in sports seriously and kind of putting a lot of the blame for the way that obviously a lot of female sports fans are stereotyped as only being into sports because they find the players hot, putting all of that on the people who are actually into the sport for that reason, which I think is inappropriate, even though I think that these people and the extremes that they've gone to on TikTok are like definitely in the wrong. I also think it's wrong to look at those people and say, well, they're the reason that other women aren't taken seriously. Like no people, those stereotypes are still going to exist anyways. And like, it's not the fault of these other women. And the problem isn't women finding, as you said, like it's not that women find players attractive and get into this sport because they find players attractive like that's fine it is the like straight up sexual harassment happening online that is like you know happening very publicly and it's comments that cross the line and comments that the player and his family are seeing that's what's really inappropriate you know
0: yeah exactly so yeah all this to say like If you are engaging in this, if you are like engaging respectfully, then I don't think there's a wrong way to engage. Like if you are like, I like hockey because the players are hot or I like hockey only because of the game. Like I don't care what the players look like or a mix of both. Like those are all fine things. It's just like if you are engaging respectfully, then there's no issue. So, yeah. And just because some people are bad actors in this case, like it doesn't mean that they are responsible for women not being taken seriously because like before this women like in hockey spaces weren't taken seriously so it's not like they Mm -hmm. caused it
1: yeah and also i hope that this doesn't completely discourage teams from reaching out to less traditional communities in hockey and less traditional audiences because i think that's something that hockey really needs um i think maybe there should be a little bit of acknowledgement that sometimes those different fan bases that you're seeking out are not engaging with hockey in a way that is necessarily designed to be seen by the players, right? I think a lot of people who are, I don't know if I'm like rambling here, if this makes sense. But as I said, I think a lot of people are taking fandom behaviors that they have learned in much bigger fandoms with like celebrities that are a lot less accessible or with, you know, books or TV shows or movies and applying that to, real people and I think that for a lot of those people that type of fandom isn't necessarily meant to be seen by the people that it's about and is meant to be kept a little bit private and there should be an acknowledgement of there are some types of fan spaces that need to be left alone (laughs) and there are like different ways of catering to that and engaging with that that aren't like going straight into the you know book talk thirst traps or hockey rpf or something like that if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think that is like a good summary of everything. But yeah, if we got any of this wrong, or if you have other opinions, let us know. Um, Because again, even like the way this all started, I'm like, kind of iffy on because again, I'm not on book talk. But yeah, let us know any of your thoughts you have on this. It's, been a little like discourse to death at this point. Like, I think we're on like day four or something of people talking about it on Twitter. I've been touching a lot of grass and not <laughs> yeah. reading
1: the discourse.
0: I read it like on and off, but oh gosh, it went some like hilarious places. But yeah, all this to say, like, just like respecting people is the most important thing. And like, that's the fundamental issue is that like, Alex Weinberg and like other players as well like weren't being respected so it's like if you are just respecting like the fact like these are real people who might really see what you're saying and be uncomfortable with it like rightfully be uncomfortable with it then I feel like that would solve a lot of problems
1: for sure so anyways we've gotten all the real hockey talk out of the way and we thought why don't we talk about some topical issues that we just we just felt like discussing on the podcast because it's the off season and there is something fun to discuss and we're just going to do it anyways. So did you participate in the Barbenheimer trend last weekend? At least, well, not last weekend, but the one before that.
0: I half did. I only saw Barbie. I didn't see Barbenheimer. Oh, wow. You didn't get the
1: full experience then. Yeah, I I, I went to Oppenheimer in the morning with one of my friends and then went out to dinner with a bunch of friends and saw Barbie with a huge group of people. And it was really fun. I was glad I did it in that order because Oppenheimer was a very long movie and I was very sick of sitting in the movie theater after it and very
0: ready for something fun. (laughs) That's so awesome. Okay, I like me and my friends were talking like as soon as the like Barbenheimer stuff started coming out we were like we're doing this like we're doing Barbenheimer and then like I was talking to my friend like maybe like a month ago like right like when we were gonna start to actually plan it and we were like wait are we actually seeing both movies same day And I was like um maybe we'll just see Barbie because like I get really antsy and also I think Oppenheimer is one where like The last time I saw a Christopher Nolan movie was Dunkirk in like theaters and I couldn't hear anything for some reason. Mm -hmm. Like for some reason, I just couldn't understand what was going on because I couldn't hear the dialogue. So it might be one that like I need subtitles for. So I might wait for it to come out. Understandable. But you will have
1: always missed out on the experience of going to see Oppenheimer in your Barbie outfit, which I did.
0: (laughs) That's so real. Yeah, because I... I guess like you could, I think some people did. I think you kind of did both, right? Like you had kind of Oppenheimer vibes in your outfit.
1: Yeah. So the thing is, I just wore my most pink outfit, which happened to be, it was like a pink top. And it was also, it was a black skirt with pink flowers on it. At the time I was like, oh, this is full Barbie. It's it's completely Barbie. And in fact, when my friend and I were ordering our drinks for Oppenheimer because we went to like one of those VIP movie theaters where you what? can get cocktails delivered to your seat. It was great for like first thing in the morning. <laughs> Incredible experience. The guy, But anyways, the guy was like, oh, you guys are seeing Barbie in half an hour, right? And we were like, haha, no. Um, but anyways, afterwards, when I was seeing Barbie, one of the friends who joined my group just for Barbie said, well, the black skirt is a little bit Oppenheimer vibe. So I didn't even realize that until I was seeing Barbie in the evening. But apparently... Mm-hmm. Apparently, I was like giving a little bit of both.
0: Yeah, it was like, also, wait, I do love Oppenheimer in the morning, Barbie at night, because it's like kind of opposite vibes.
1: Like, I know. I mean, when we decided on that, I my only reasoning was that's the funniest way to do it. Like yeah. Oppenheimer first thing in the morning and then you have your fun for a little bit and then you go see Barbie when you're like at the end of a long day and really tired but also super excited you know
0: Perfect. and i know it's like i know like the barbenheimer like meme has kind of like okay people are kind of reducing it to just like haha girl movie boy movie but i'm going to do it for one more time i will say that like the sun is like a boy and the moon is a girl so like it works to see off like it also works to see like oppenheimer during the day cuz like the sun is such a boy and also like explodes so, so real like works for oppenheimer <laughs> And then the moon is a girl, so it's fine. <laughs> um, but so what? So we we will only be discussing Barbie because I have not seen Oppenheimer. So sorry to anyone who really wanted our Oppenheimer takes. I have <laughs> to, so
1: many of them, but I'm keeping them in my head.
0: Yeah, that'll be next episode. We'll just <laughs> talk only about Oppenheimer. But what did you think of it? Of Barbie specifically,
1: Barbie i thought it was really fun so i've actually seen it twice now uh because when we decided you we were going to review it on the podcast i was like i need to see it with a really intellectual lens like i need to just see it on my own just trying to use all the feminist theory that i learned in my undergrad because as some of you may know i did study gender and women's studies and i was like i need to take an in- intellectual approach to this And so, yeah, first time I saw it, I mostly just thought it was really fun and silly and I loved it. And then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, wait, the politics, like the messaging was a little all over the place. I'm confused. And the second time I saw it, I was like, yeah, this movie doesn't make that much sense, but it's still fun. So I kind of circled back around to just it's fun.
0: How about you? (laughs) I actually like almost the exact same thing. I haven't seen it twice. I've only seen it once. But okay. So I saw it and I was like, this is so fun. And it's so, if you haven't, I feel like everyone's seen it, but it's like so bright and colorful. And it's just like, so like nice to look at. Cause it's like so many times now, I feel like things, are just like like movies aren't afraid to be like that stylistic where it's like it's obviously not portraying like anything real and it's like very like all the sets are practical and it like looks beautiful so I was like so like oh my gosh this is awesome I also loved all the costumes I thought they were so excellent but yeah like thematically I was like wait a minute (laughs) like what is going on because there's a lot of ideas thrown at you and it's like okay what Like, um, some of them do not, like, some of them don't work as, like, a symbol, like, if that makes sense. It's, like, it's just, like, it gets really muddy if you think about it. Like, what does this represent in the real world? And it's, like, wait a minute, that makes no sense. I feel like every time I got
1: close to figuring out what the movie was about, I found something that, like, completely
0: contradicted what I thought. And I was, like, oh, no, back to the drawing (laughs) board. Yeah, I have to agree. So, essentially... Well, I guess we could talk about, because we kind of touched on, like, the set design. Oh my gosh, Ryan, okay, first I guess I'll just say, like, everything I liked. Ryan Gosling in it was incredible. Like, Oscar, like, every Oscar should go to him.
1: Truly, and, like, truly, it was one of those movies where it just feels, like, Every single person in the movie is having so much fun. You can just feel that from the movie. Every single person there was so good in their role and enjoyed themselves so much.
0: Like, they are all having the best day. Like, it was honestly incredible. Like, the just like the delivery of certain things, like, okay. I guess spoilers for Barbie oh yeah we should have prefaced this spoilers for Barbie if you haven't seen it but you know already okay so there's a the part where like Barbie is telling Ken like yeah like we should go out or whatever because like it's all like mm. it's a plan and stuff whatever you guys have seen the movie when he goes off screen yells sublime and then goes back <laughs> it's, <so funny.
1: laughs> it's just one of those things where you're expecting him to be like yeah but he just goes <laughs> sublime
0: so good. yeah like, that's the thing is like the joke is very clearly like oh he's gonna walk off yell something come back and act like he didn't yell it so it's like oh you you saw it coming yeah. but sublime caught me off guard yeah. that's the best thing he could have yelled um <laughs> i also yeah i just like loved ryan gosling i was like i i feel like ryan gosling has like gone through an arc just like he was like a heartthrob and then he kind of like fell off a little like he didn't fall off but, like people didn't like automatically go to him as like the stereotypical heartthrob and i think he's back in full force like the cat i like him off.
1: better than ryan reynolds now
0: me too and ryan gosling would buy the sense probably he would do you think do you think it's too late maybe he could <laughs> no contact and lower you can work something out um but yeah i will say okay so barbie's storyline in the movie is interesting I thought so at the end of it right she decides like I want to do the I want to make the ideas like I don't want to be the idea anymore so she wants to become human right that's kind of where her story ends I thought that that was not well introduced like I was like I didn't really? get that from I thought like it kind of came out of nowhere in the sense of like obviously she wants some kind of arc and like a figure that like becoming a human would be something like that's like the stereotypical arc for like a doll, I guess. Right. But I didn't see any like rationale really for why she wanted that in the movie. Like, cause it's like, she goes to the real world and is immediately like, this is bad. I'm leaving now. And then just like Barbie land happens more. So I didn't understand fully why like her motivation, but I have only seen it once. Like, I don't know if it's more clear.
1: Yeah. I felt like the second time I saw it, I kind of came to the conclusion that I was more interested in the movie's commentary about what it means to be human and, you know, the human condition in general, than the – or at least that that commentary made more sense than the gender commentary specifically. Mm -hmm. Because I think – I feel like if you view it just that first lens of, like, you know, commenting on being human – it's a story about Barbie, you know, becoming aware of the challenges of the human world. And I think there's a metaphor a little bit with growing up, right? And, you know, finding out about the patriarchy is also kind of a part of that, right? Like, as you're growing up, you learn a little bit more about what it means to be a woman in the world. And she is, you know, initially very upset about this. And then by the end, she kind of realizes that it, it's worth all of that pain and struggle for the experience of being human. Like she still, she still th- like craves that despite all of the pain that it caused her. But I do agree with you that it maybe wasn't shown that clearly that arc of how she got from part A to part B, right?
0: Yeah. Because I guess the issue, like, because obviously, I, like, yeah, I very much saw it as, like, obviously, like, a symbol for growing up, like, right, like, she is, for the first time, like, discovering flaws about herself, where, like, I feel like that's kind of, not obviously for every woman, but I feel like that's kind of, like, a common phenomenon, where it's, like, you kind of become aware of, like, societal expectations of, like, what you should be, and then you, like, all of a sudden notice, like, flaws in the mirror and stuff, so that's kind of, like, obviously she experiences that like just where she's not perfect anymore but then I guess my thing with that is that like obviously for humans growing up is something that like you must do like because it's like you have no other choice but like for Barbie to like choose that I guess I wish that like she had because I guess like okay the moment of the woman on the bench and her being like you're so beautiful I felt like that was a really strong moment so I feel Mm -hmm. like I wish that they had like expanded more on like those kinds of themes where it's like she sees like the beauty in human life more where it's like and not just like she is going to become human I don't know I just wish like she had seen kind of more beauty in it like I also wish like America Ferreira like I do wish they had spent more time in the real world and she had like spent more time with America Ferreira and her daughter like in the real world because I feel like that would have introduced like very nice themes of like solidarity between like women obviously they had that in Barbie land but it's like in human world that would be nice maybe I don't know
1: yeah well and also okay there's this weird storyline that just gets dropped where one of the ways that Barbie becomes aware that something is wrong in Barbie land and you know that she needs to go and fix things is that she starts getting cellulite which is a funny joke in the moment it's like oh she's becoming a real woman she has cellulite now and there's this joke where you know when they're having their little send-off party for her the banner says you know bon voyage so that you don't get cellulite basically And then that just never comes back. Like, there's never any moment of her going, actually, this isn't so bad, because being human means this, right? It was just like, she was so afraid of getting cellulite that she journeyed to the human world to fix things. And then in the end, she decides to become human after all. But there's no moment where she's like, oh, and now I'm going to have to get cellulite,
0: you know? Yeah. And so, like, kind of leading into this. So basically, Barbie has, like, an existential crisis and breakdown, because she's like, I'm not good at anything. Like everything is bad. Like that is like she is having a bad time. And the way it like gets solved is America Ferra gives her a feminism speech, uh, <laughs> which I did not love. It was so cringe. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was like Ooh, because okay, as soon as I heard it in the thing in the theater, I was like that was almost verbatim from the Taylor Swift documentary. <laughs> basically the speech is like oh, you have to be like um uh, like you have to be smart without like being too powerful blah blah I don't remember it exactly but it's like that kind of thing where like being a woman is like so many contradictions because you have to be everything but like you can't like be intimidating type thing that's in the Taylor Swift documentary as well so
1: yeah it's basically just the whole point is like it's impossible to be a woman into his world because you're never good enough people are always criticizing everything and it's true it was just very surface level.
0: Yeah. And it also, I was like that too. I was like, this is a little bit coming out of nowhere. Like why is America Ferrera saying this right now? Because like Barbie is still a doll. Right. So like the reason she's having an ex- existential crisis, I guess like, sure. Like you could say like, because she's becoming a woman and like, like, like uh, symbolically, like she's becoming a woman. So like, that's why like America Ferrera's speech makes sense. Cause it's like, Basically, basically saying like you don't have to be upset about being a woman like it's impossible to be a woman like I wish that society didn't make you feel like this right but like in the story what's happening is that Barbie is just like I can't fix anything and America Fair is like women have too much to handle and she's like whoa you're right but like then they're like because all the Barbies are brainwashed they're like we will use this to unbrainwash the Barbies So it's, like, what does that say symbolically then? Like, that, like, all women need to, like, take power back is, like, a feminism speech. And it's, like, yeah, they just need
1: to become aware of the patriarchy. I think there was a line, I noticed it the second time I watched it, where I think Barbie says something like, you know, in bringing voice and giving voice to like the contradictions involved in being a woman um under patriarchy like you've robbed the patriarchy of its power or whatever and it's like no you haven't like that's not how this works in real life it was weird
0: also like I guess okay obviously this isn't what Greta Gerwig meant but I guess I didn't love the idea that it's like women in the real world are only under the patriarchy because like they are too brainwashed to, like, realize what is being done onto them. It's, like, no, like, a, like most women are very aware of, like, the issues of the patriarchy. It's just, like, being aware of it is not enough to, like, undo it.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know a lot of women do internalize patriarchal values without realizing it and, you know, maybe make decisions without realizing that they're influenced by patriarchy. Like, that is a thing that you can say, but I think just to reduce it to brainwashing is a little weird. And I will say, a thing I caught on the second rewatch is that there was a line at the beginning when they ask how Barbie is immune to the brainwashing from all the other Barbies, and they say it's because she's been into the real world. So I... I had a moment where I was like, oh, is it just that the Barbie's becoming aware of real world problems undoes the brainwashing? But then they, like I said, they straight up say, no, it's because of the speech about patriarchy that they've like robbed patriarchy of its power. But it's also just, it's so weird. Cause it's like, why are you, how are you restoring to the, them to their former selves when they didn't know patriarchy existed as their former selves, you know?
0: Yeah, also like, Okay, so basically when all the Barbies are brainwashed, like Emma Mackey's Barbie has a line where she's like, she's essentially saying like, I like this because I don't have to think about anything. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like your brain has a day off. And I've like seen that thought kind of like said by like women in real life where it's like, I'm like basically tired of work. Like, why Mm -hmm. can't, like, I just like go back to being a 50s housewife type thing. And it's like, that's like an interesting thing, right? Because it's like, yeah, some women do genuinely like feel so like, like I don't know just like under pressure and stuff in life that they wish they could go like they almost fantasize about that so it's like that's an interesting thought to like introduce but then it's like oh well actually it's just like she gets undone like she gets undone by it because like she realizes like patriarchy is bad actually yeah um,
1: and I mean it's a thing that you see in a lot of like feminist theory that a lot of a lot of people have pointed out that patriarchy sometimes like It's not just always putting women down. It's often uplifting certain women and women who fulfill certain roles, right? In a functioning patriarchy, like women are still there as caregivers, as like sex objects. Kate Mann would call them human givers, right? Like people who just exist to give things to men. And so you know, some women do feel at home in those types of roles and do feel like the patriarchy benefits them. And so I felt like that could have been an interesting thread to follow where it was like, why do some women buy into patriarchy and feel like it benefits them? But like you said, it just didn't.
0: Yeah. Like there were so many interesting thoughts introduced. And then, okay, I think that they should have cut the Mattel storyline altogether. I thought that that served no purpose
1: it almost felt like they were going, haha, see, this isn't a movie that's completely sponsored by Mattel and entirely, like, advertising for Mattel because we're criticizing Mattel. And it's like, we we see through this. We know that this is just a big advertising scheme.
0: Yeah, also, like, I guess, like, they did have essentially, a, like, a joke kind of where it's like, oh, like, all the Mattel execs are men, but, like, Barbie is, like, obviously, mm-hmm. like, iconic woman. So, like, that's kind of, like like haha like right like why are all the men behind like creating the image of like what a woman should be essentially like yeah sure but like that's not really touched on it's like a throwaway joke and then they're like now we have to like catch barbie and put her in a box yeah and i won't lie i did
1: not know the name mattel i did not know what they were until i watched this movie and then i was like oh and now now i'm like oh yeah mattel that's the company that makes barbie so i feel like there was a certain amount of brand awareness that they got out of this
0: yeah, so shout out to Mattel. <laughs> like yeah. that's the thing. It's like now you see like they want to make like the Mattel cinematic universe or whatever. And make a Uno movie. So. Honestly, people are saying that that would be bad, but I think we should let them do this
1: and lose so much money. I'm excited <laughs> exactly. about this. I'm excited for them to make these movies that I will not go to see.
0: <laughs> exactly. Like that's the thing. Barbie works because it's so interesting. Like there's mm-hmm. such like a like an important part of like a lot of people's like childhoods and like there's like it's a really like interesting concept so that's why it works but like I will not see an Uno movie like you will not take my money to that. Yeah.
1: Okay, but also so we talked about that speech, but I did want to point out one scene that bugged me so much and I have seen it universally praised and it's driving me nuts. It was right before the speech started because it's kind of prompted by Barbie having this existential crisis and there's this whole speech that she has before America Ferrera's speech where she says that she's ugly and you know if she doesn't have her looks what is she because she's stereotypical Barbie she only exists to be pretty she's not like the other smart Barbies right and she's saying that like now that she's ugly she has no worth but she's like driving home the point that she is ugly now and there's this pause and the voiceover just goes, you know, note to the producers or whatever, Margot Robbie is not the right person to cast if you want to make this point. And like, it got a good laugh in the audience. I get that it was a jab at the people who were criticizing the casting by saying she's not pretty enough, but I just felt like it undercut the whole point of that scene because the whole point is Barbie saying that she's not pretty and then the voiceover is like, oh yeah, but barbie actually is pretty by the way when the whole point is like if she's human that means that she cannot be pretty in the way that barbie is and you know acknowledging that barbie is an unrealistic standard and that being human means having flaws and also the fact that they like literally they were in control of her look they did her makeup and her hair and stuff they could have put more effort into making her look ugly But they didn't. They had her still pretty. And then we're like, oh, it's just because Margot Robbie is, like, unnaturally pretty. But, you know, everybody else, you can't be that pretty.
0: That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that because, yeah, I got a big laugh in theater. But, like, I never loved the moment just because, like, I was, like, it's, like, not that funny. (laughs) No offense. I was, like, that's not, like, not that good a joke. But, yeah, that's, like, a good point where it's, like, it's almost, I don't know. it's, It's very much being, like, well... Yeah, like, not Margot Robbie, though. But, like, you you have trouble with that, don't you? It's like, okay, thank you. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I thought thought that they could have done a lot more with it. I know also we want to talk about the Ken storyline a bit.
1: Yeah, because he was actually a really big part of this movie, and I wasn't necessarily against it. I thought he was good in it. I don't think it necessarily took away from the feminist messages to have – such a Ken storyline, but I feel like that's the part of the movie that I have had the most trouble understanding because I've seen so many different takes on what it is and I just can't figure Mm -hmm. out. So what was your take on what the movie was trying to say with the Kens?
0: Okay, I thought what the movie was trying to say and I don't necessarily agree with this message. I just like believe that this might be it. Is that like Ken is kind of an incel. Basically, (laughs) basically, his entire thing, right, is that he does not get female attention. Okay, number one incel move. And then he launches an insurrection where like, that is kind of an incel manifesto of him, right? Mm -hmm. So like, and then like his dream becomes like to oppress women. So it's essentially like if an incel got their dream, right, where it's like, now women are subservient to me, blah, 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 whatever. But my thing is that like, If that is the message, we're like, I might be wrong about that. Because I've seen other people say that, like, no, Ken is experiencing misogyny. And it's like, okay, well, let's talk about that after. But basically, if Ken is an incel, then at the end of the movie, incels are validated. Yeah, so essentially Barbie is like, sorry for not paying attention to you. Like, that was wrong of me. And I was like, she was like, she specifically said this line kind of pissed me off. She was like, not every night had to be girls night. And it's like, okay, I understand that, like, Obviously, if we are all living together in society, like, yes, like, we should be kind to each other, blah, blah, blah. But every night could have been girls night. Like, there's no, I was not given a valid reason for, like, why Ken was deserving of attention. I guess, like, in a friendship context, but, like, Barbie was always pretty friendly to him. She just, like, didn't really care about him. But it's, like, that's not really a crime to not care about him. See, the thing is, I feel like Ken's
1: storyline makes the most sense if you only look at it within the confines of the Barbie universe and see it as a commentary on Ken's life and not on masculinity in general. But it was clearly intended to be a commentary on masculinity in general. And like, okay, yeah, that's the thing that bugs me is that, you know, you look at Ken's place in Barbie land and... You know, yes, it sucks that he is barred from all positions of power and stuff. All the Kens in general are, you know, not really allowed to do anything except stand on the beach and try to get Barbie's attention. But like, Ken is just chilling. I mean, okay, it says that he's miserable if Barbie doesn't talk to him, but you don't see any active oppression of the Kens. The Barbies are just like, yeah, the Kens are there to wave at us and say hi. And like, we tolerate them there. We don't think about them that much. We just wave high. Like, Barbie isn't actively. Okay, maybe this is the commentary on, like, you know, wider societal structures that Barbie isn't, like, personally actively oppressing the Kens. I don't, but I don't think she's treating Ken that badly or anything. And then the fact that it ends on Barbie, like, Barbie's personal relationship to Ken, when I don't feel like she ever, you know, like, treated him badly, right? It's just that they exist in this world where the Kens are only there to stand around and try to get Barbie's attention. And that's Ken's problem. But that's also not, like, a metaphor for misogyny. <laughs> I
0: don't know. Yeah, because, like, some people were being like, oh, Ken is experiencing misogyny. Which, like, no, he's not. Because misogyny is not just, like, women being ignored, right? Like, mm-hmm. like Ken is just ignored. And it's like, yeah, I suppose, like, you could say, like, oh, but, like, Yeah, oppressed people in our society are ignored by like bigger power structures. So like, but that's like, I feel like that's not correct. Like, that's not like, that's not what Greta Kerwick was trying to say, I don't think. Like, yeah, the thing is, you know, a lot of people, their sort of takeaway from the movie
1: was, well, they tried to reverse the gender roles, right? It's, you know, Barbie land is basically our world except reversed, where, you know, instead of men in power, it's women in power. And the movie says that several times. There are several lines where they're like, oh, yeah, the real world is reversed because men are in power, whereas women are in power back home. But that doesn't work. There was no part of Ken's storyline where I thought that resonated with me as a woman, where I thought that Ken was experiencing what it's like to be a woman in the world. There was obviously, like I said, the fact that he's barred from positions of power, but that's not even a big point in the movie that's not a thing that he's concerned with the only thing that Ken seems concerned with is the fact that he is being ignored by Barbie
0: which is a very male thing yeah and then even at the end of the movie right like okay yeah at the end of the movie the Ken's want some power and then there's another joke where it's like yeah well maybe in like however many years they can have as much power as women have in the real world so it's like okay so then That's further pointing to the metaphor being, like, the Ken's are experiencing misogyny. But, again, no, they're not. Because, like, again, like, I know we've said it before. But, like, misogyny is not just being ignored by men. Like, that would be insane. So, like, I suppose, yeah, like, they deserve positions in power. But, like, again, that's not what they want until the end of the movie. All they want is for Barbie to like him back. So, that's why I'm, like, this is giving incel. (laughs) Because, like, all he wants is, like, a woman. But it's, like, and then at the end, Ken... Still, like the last thing Ken, yeah, so Ken does not apologize to Barbie for stealing her house. Number one. I didn't love that. I didn't love how the movie seemed to think that Ken was owed an apology <laughs> or like he's an insurrectionist and a terrorist. Like you just should not have to apologize to Ken. But then, like, he seems to like take something Barbie says I don't remember, but like he seems to take it as like they will be together now. And he's just like happy with it. He's like, okay, yeah. And it's like, why? Like, no, like, then you haven't, like, then you don't have a lesson, right? Like, then it's not like, you are seeking something outside of Barbie, because Barbie tells him, like, you need to seek something outside of me, essentially. And he's like, but I'm just Ken, which is sad. And then he's like, and then Barbie's like, no, but like, you have to. And he's like, okay, essentially. So it's yeah. like, I guess the thing is, like, define yourself outside of like, a relationship, right? Like, but no one in reality, like, no, again, if the metaphor is, like, women should not be defined by men, so, like, Ken should not be defined by Barbies, no woman is, like, it's like a caricature, right? Like, no woman mm-hmm. is, like, oh, my gosh, like, all I need is male attention, blah, blah, blah. Even women who do, like, seek male attention, like, that's a phenomenon. It's not, like, that's their only, like, reason of being alive. Like, like Ken, that's literally
1: a misogynistic stereotype about women. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's it's so weird. I found that, like, the most emotional scene and the scene that, like, hit home the most for me was that scene at the end with Ken and Barbie because I felt like what Barbie was experiencing was such a common female experience of, you know, this man who is just, like, yeah, that you just don't have feelings for. (laughs) Like, acting like, you know, it's your problem that he can't deal with his feelings and that, you know, like... Basically, Ken is telling Barbie that he's so lonely and he's so upset that she doesn't um, like him back that he has, you know, turns to violent misogyny and stolen her house and stuff and done all these terrible things because she doesn't like him back. And there's this undercurrent of like, it's your fault. And if you would just be with me, then none of this would have had to happen and we could go back to not exactly the way things were, but, you know, to a world that you like better. And that's such a common experience where men will just put all of their, like pain about being rejected or their loneliness on these women and kind of almost demands relationships and blame women if they turn to, really violent political ideologies and say well if if women had just actually been with me then we wouldn't have these problems and so that scene I thought was so good and I just I, I wasn't that satisfied with the ending yeah where she, she kind, kind of concedes you know yeah
0: she's like you're right I'm sorry like I should have paid more attention to you and it's like again she does not end up with Ken so it's not saying like yeah she should have been in a relationship with Ken and it's like People were saying like I saw a take on Twitter that was like I'm happy Barbie apologized to him because like it shows that like men need kindness to not turn to patriarchy essentially and it's like I guess in practice yes like if if all women are like exceedingly kind to men and like go out with them but then that's the thing is like in reality no men would not suddenly stop being misogynistic because patriarchy is like systemic oppression right so it's like women could do anything like men wanted and that would just build more patriarchy right because it's like then they would just control women that's my thing is like I don't I don't understand how people are reading it I guess like there is some kind of reading where like I think Greta Gerwig somewhat intended this where it's like yes like men deserve kindness too and like obviously men deserve kindness too like I'm not arguing that they don't but it's like the idea that like women need to offer like, kindness and friendship to men that they do not personally, like, feel any sort of, like, they don't want to simply because otherwise they'll turn to violence is, like, kind of an insane, like, thing to say. Yeah, well,
1: and it's made even more insane by the fact that I don't think at any point in the movies we see the Barbies being unkind to the Kens. They just ignore them, right? And I feel like Barbie's, like, Barbie's treatment of Ken is perfectly normal for the way you would treat some random guy right like who is like kind of in your life i mean okay technically i know that they are together right ken does say over boyfriend girlfriend that's a funny line but i i don't feel like there's that much missing in her personal treatment of ken again i i recognize that the kens are barred from all positions of power there is there is systemic oppression happening against the kens but this yeah the 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 ending is about showing kindness and friendship, and I don't think Barbie ever really denies that. Yeah. To like she invites him
0: to his house, he just can't sleep over. So it's like whatever, right. like that's fine I don't know. Yeah, so it's like I don't know. I agree that like we should be kind to each other, but like Barbie was not unkind. again is kind of the issue. So I don't know. I think I need to watch it again. But, like, again, you saw it twice and still have these issues. So I don't think watching it again would solve it. But I don't know. In general, I liked the way it looked and stuff. And you just can't think too hard about it. Exactly. I will
1: say, okay, one detail that I liked is that scene where Ken initially discovers patriarchy. I thought it was a funny commentary on, obviously, how you know, somebody who was not familiar with our world would look at this system and not understand it, right? Like it's that's a common way of showing the absurdity of a certain system or societal structure to show to bring in an outsider and say, isn't it strange? And I thought it was kind of funny that Ken got the wrong idea about patriarchy. I love that he thought it was about horses. I would Ken, I would also <laughs> love the patriarchy if it was about horses. I I respect that. I loved also that they had this whole montage that was all, like, typical masculinity, and I just laughed at the Grease lightning scene from Grease being in that, and then later in Ken's big musical number, it's clearly a callback to Grease. It
0: was good. It was really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Talk more about the things I loved. I loved the musical numbers. I thought they were hilarious. I didn't realize the song that he sings, like, to Barbie on the beach. I did it. I thought that was an original. I didn't know that was a freak song um I can't believe it exists but yeah I really like that the Charlie XCX song
1: that plays oh, yeah. when she's escaping Mattel the Mattel storyline was worth it just for that song that was yeah. good
0: and I again I know I said it before but I loved all the outfits I loved Modo Dojo Casa House mm-hmm. and I absolutely loved long-term distance low-commitment girlfriend I was like that's an excellent line
1: mm-hmm. Although I did uh, find it funny that the Mojo Dojo Casa House, they said that they were flying off the shelves and kids were buying them. When I feel like a better joke would have been nobody wants a Mojo Dojo Casa House because nobody cares about Ken. Like, boys don't want to play with Barbies and girls don't want to play with Ken. Like, that would have been a funnier joke, but oh well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess, like, my other kind of issue is that the Mattel execs were like, we only care about, like, because basically, like, they're like, we don't just care about money. We also, like, want to empower young women. But then when America Pereira like, gives an idea of, like, normal person Barbie, and then he's like, no, that's a terrible idea. And they're like, that would make a lot of money, though. And he's like, okay, then we'll do it. It's like, okay, wait. Yeah, maybe that okay. was – I, I interpreted, the, interpreted it as,
1: like, oh, finally the real, like – motivations are revealed although yeah there is that scene where they're going to barbie land and they're like i don't care that everything is selling i i'm just trying to empower young girls When again i feel like it would have been better if the mojo dojo casa houses were not selling and then mattel was like no we need to preserve our brand of female empowerment we gotta go to barbie land
0: yeah because i get that like part of the joke is that like the he's like i'm the like mother he's like call me mother and he's also like I like I'm the son of a mother and like that was funny and stuff so it's like I get that the joke was kind of like oh like he obviously only cares about making money and does not actually care about like empowering women like he's just like saying like the Mm -hmm. typical like I have a daughter type stuff right but then why does he go to Barbie land then because if everything is selling then like he must care about empowering women (laughs) but then at the end he I don't know it was kind of confusing but I still liked it and the sad thing is that like right-wing commentators hated it so like now I have to be like I love Barbie
1: I know that's such a thing now where every time right-wing commentators get really upset about like stuff that isn't even that leftist suddenly that thing becomes the leftist thing you know Uh.
0: yeah anyway that was I guess our review of Barbie I give it three and a half stars
1: Oh, I'm, I'm going to give it a full four, just because it was so much fun. And I I truly loved Ken's big musical number. I'm just Ken. Like, I have been listening to that song ever since watching the movie. And I am so mad that they haven't put out the video of it the actual music video like I need to watch the video again it was so good the cheek kisses the like the way he delivers some of those lines The like I love the line put that manly hand in mine like for some reason that just cracked me up like I said the references to Greece and then after it when he's wearing the hoodie that says I am Kenneth
0: oh oh my god you know what I take it back I will give it a full four stars for I am Kenneth that was excellent (laughs) Um, And then, so the final thing to wrap it up, I guess, is that Margaret O'Toole asked us on Twitter, thank you so much for this question, which scents have the most Kennergy? So you wrote a whole article about this one.
1: Yes, so... so As I said, I was working on Five Thoughts for Friday and I had a really stupid idea and then the Tarasenko signing broke and I was like, this looks even stupider now. Um, Yeah, we had initially plans to just put this on the podcast because Margaret O'Toole was the first one to ask us. But also when I put out a call for ideas for Five Thoughts for Friday, many people suggested the same thing enough that I thought I'm just going to also write about it for Five Thoughts. So did you read my Five Thoughts piece
0: on this? I did, and I loved it. (laughs) I'm so glad. Um, I'm trying to see if I have it memorized. I think you said, should we go least to most, Kennergy? Or that you listed? Sure. Why don't we do this?
1: Yes. so I, because it's five thoughts, I decided to, you know, stretch the boundaries of this form that we use and do five tiers, of how much Kennergy players have. And I hope that if you've seen Barbie, you know what Kennergy is. Ryan Gosling himself has said that we haven't, we don't have the tools yet to fully define Kennergy. So it's just something you kind of feel, you know?
0: Yeah, we don't Anyways. have like a Kennergy barometer, but it's vibes.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I didn't rank every single sense player because that was too much work. So tier five was just very little Kennergy. Like I wanted to talk about these players, but I also wanted to talk about how they are not Kens at all. And the first one on that list was Jacob Chikrin. And my rationale was he has a little bit of Kennergy just because he looks like Ken. However, the raw meat diet, instant disqualifier.
0: (laughs) That's very real. Ken would would only have raw meat after discovering the patriarchy. (laughs) Before that, he wouldn't. Um, the other player on this list, this one I was a little surprised, but then I saw you write up and it made sense. Tim Stutzla. So, well, my logic
1: at? was Tim Stutzla. Like again, he kind of looks the part. I think he has a little bit of energy, like it's undefinable. But it's just like you know, he's a little bit goofy and stuff. But his problem is he's just so much of a main character. Like he needs attention all the time, and he is the Barbie of this team. He's not the Ken,
0: you know. <laughs> I have to agree. Like, I think you said, yeah, like Barbie, Tim Stutzla is everything. That is the issue. He can't be Ken. Yeah, like nobody's ever just going to forget about Tim Stutzla. You could never
1: picture him just standing on the beach waving, you know, trying to get someone's attention. Like, no, he demands attention all the time.
0: Exactly. Okay, so your tier four was normal amount of Kennergy.
1: Yeah. Um. So, you know, kind of in the middle... Maybe you could make the case that these players are Kens, but I just feel like, again, there are some disqualifying factors. One of them, Artem Zub. I feel like a lot of people are going to say, Zub has lots of Kennergy, he seems really sweet, he's quiet, he's unassuming. Not in our heads, though. Everyone is so obsessed with Zub. We can't we can't say that he has Kennergy when he has this like mysterious air about him that just like fascinates so many people, you know?
0: I have to agree. The other player you had on here which I I would I think he has more energy, but Claude i I'm
1: willing to listen to criticism here. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people said he has a lot of energy. I kind of get it. I think he does have some energy. It's just again, people are too obsessed with him. Like Flyers fans will cry if you just mention his name. He is yeah, like people are too obsessed with him for him to be a true Ken. But I could yeah, I, I could see the like logic behind having him higher.
0: Yeah. So your tier three was lots of Kennergy. You had a lot of players in this one, which I agree. I think there's a lot of players on the sense that have a lot of Kennergy but are not like necessarily full Ken kind of energy.
1: I did. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go from least controversial to most controversial because there is one that will will unfortunately need a lot of discussion. There was a lot of discussion in the comments about this one. But um first we said Anton Forsberg. I kind of just feel like Forsberg seems kind of quiet and unassuming. He's just sort of there, you know. He feels a similar role on the Sims that Ken does on in Barbie. That's not an insult. I didn't. I didn't mean it like that. I love mm-hmm. Anton Forsberg. He's, but you know, I he's not a player that makes people like obsessed with him. You know. Hmm. So uh, I feel like that was a good place.
0: Yeah. You also had Vladimir Tarasenko on here, which I agree. Like.
1: Yeah, that one I needed help for. It was sort of, you know, when the Taras- Tarasenko signing broke, I asked the Silver 7 team, do I need to scrap my really stupid idea for Five Thoughts? And they said, no, no, no. Just make sure you add Tarasenko. And then I had to consult Tarasenko experts. And they said that he's silly and goofy. So that's wh- is where I put him.
0: Okay. And I can't decide who is the most controversial. Okay, myself. no, no. The next
1: one we're going to talk about, not the most controversial... Uh, Thomas Shabbat. Okay, yeah. I, I think he seems silly and goofy. He's friendly. He's affectionate toward his teammates. I think that there's a lot of energy in him. Um, however, he spends so much time on the ice. He is so polarizing. He has such a flashy style of play. I can't really call him a Ken because of that, you know? That's fair.
0: And the most controversial one, Brady Kachuk.
1: Yes. So... Here's the thing. I have said for many players, oh, this player, too much of a main character to be a Ken. You know, I have docked a lot of points for being too much of a main character. But I just feel like Brady has so much Kennergy in some ways that it makes up for how much of a main character he is. Like, Brady is who Ken wants to
0: be. Yeah, I can see that.
1: He is like, he is a celebrity for being such a Ken. If that makes sense. I agree. Like he's so goofy. He's so exuberant and he he could absolutely do the job of beach. He could just stand on the beach and wave at people. I believe in him. Maybe he would have to sing Mr. Brightside, but like that's still Kenergy, I think.
0: I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I also love how you said he looks like his job could be beach because of that one picture of him in a lounge chair. I thought that, that was excellent.
1: I mean, that was my logic. But the thing is, so many people in the comments, like this was the most controversial topic in the comments, because people were saying, you know, Brady has the least energy of anyone on this team. Like, you need to invent a new tier for how low he should be on this tier list. Like, no way. I, okay, maybe this is a little bit mean. Maybe I'm projecting you know, some stuff onto these people, I felt like some people felt like it was an insult to Brady's, like, masculinity that I was calling him a Ken. Because um, there were a lot of people saying he's so hyper-masculine, like, he is so willing to fight people, he's so jacked, he's, like, you know, they were saying that when one person pointed out the who-wants-it thing should disqualify him, which made me realize that I think a lot of people just interpret Brady's actions differently than I do. Like, I think when I see Brady do things most of the time I'm like he's Billy he's being so silly and goofy he's being he's making a fool out of himself whereas I think some Sense fans watch him do these things and think that he is like some paragon of masculinity
0: you know that's very funny that's a good point I never have ever interpreted anything even when he fights people I'm like he's kidding like what a goofy guy
1: Right? Like it has the same energy as the Ken's saying that they're gonna beat each other off,
0: right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I that was genius. Yes, exactly. Brady Kachuk just always have has like beat you up (laughs) energy.
1: Exactly. Like I mean, okay, yes, he does actually beat people up, like you know, he is a tough guy, but for to me, everything he's doing. He's just trying to be funny. Like, he's a little jester all the time, like you said many episodes ago. That's the thing. I think Brady could be higher, but many people are saying he needs to be way lower. But I, I stand by where I put
0: him. I thought that it was controversial because he could be higher. It's interesting to me that, like, people think it's controversial because he should be lower. But mm-hmm. yeah.
1: People did not understand why I had him on the list at all. They just don't Terrible. get
0: it. Hopefully they listen to this and get it. <laughs> but you mm-hmm. say so your tier two is almost enough. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm first I like Shane Pinto on here I think that's a good one
1: yeah I, I just like when I was trying to put him on the list I couldn't really think of a reason why he wasn't a ken, right yeah um yeah it was just sort of like oh I think people are too obsessed with him they care about him too much which is a thing that I used for a lot of players when it was just I don't know there's something missing is what I
0: meant but I think he has a decent amount of energy he does have very much like I don't know who she would be in this sense, but like she's everything, he's just Ken. Like Shane Pinto, he is just Ken type thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe Ridley Craig is everything. She yeah, is just exactly. Ken. Perfect. And your other one on here is Matthew Joseph. Who, yeah.
1: Yeah, I said, you know, very much a Ken, except he's just had too much career success. Like he's won the Stanley Cup.
0: He can't be a Ken. I agree. Um, so you're tier one. Sorry, I'm laughing because I'm, I'm reading your article a bit. Okay, you're tier one. Uh, I think so. Okay.
1: I identified two players who I called Certified Kens.
0: And I feel like some listeners can guess who they are right now. Number one, Josh Norris. Who, he just,
1: he has Ketergy. It's like Ryan Gosling said, you can't explain it. He just has it,
0: you know? He does. And, okay, I mentioned this on Twitter. I will mention it again. Josh Norris also, I would argue, has Alan energy because Alan's whole thing is he's Ken's buddy, all Ken's clothes fit. Who is Ken's, like, Josh Norris can be Alan to Brady Kachuk's Ken. Like, it's perfect. I, okay, in terms of his role, yes.
1: However... I don't watch the movie and see Alan's performance and go Josh Norris. I see Ryan Gosling's performance and I go, that's Josh Norris, you
0: know? I agree. I agree. So yeah, that's why it doesn't work. But for the buddy aspect, it does work. Everything else, it doesn't really. And I will say that this player is the most Ken on the sense. He is, of course, Eric Brandstrom. Obviously.
1: Yeah, I said that, you know... So much of his storyline on the Sens mirrors Ken's storyline in the Barbie movie, where Ken is just so like upset about Barbie not loving him back. And it's like how Eric Brandstrom just gives everything, and the Sens just don't love him back.
0: Exactly. And that's the only context where I have sympathy for Ken, because it's like, if, if he was Sens Eric Branstrom, yeah. yeah. If SENS fans are mistreating him, like, or ignoring him, and he is Eric Branstrom, then I understand Ken's storyline.
1: Exactly. Yeah, where, you know, that line is like, where I see love, she sees a friend. Well, where Eric Branstrom sees an eight-year contract, they see a third-pairing defenseman, you know? Uh-huh. What will it take for the SENS to see the man behind all those turnovers and giveaways?
0: exactly anyway that is a wrap up again excellent article I know that we just went through it, but everyone like go read it it's so good thank you I'm gonna put a link to it in the description if anyone wants to read along while we talked about it but yeah
1: yeah well that was fun we had way more to discuss than I thought we would yeah I had a great time Give us your thoughts on anything we discuss. We'd love to hear them. Uh, our Twitter is at Elite Brain, and on Tumblr, we are also elitesensbrain.tumblr.com. Uh, you can also follow us on our personal Twitters as long as Twitter exists. I am at C I E. I am at Erickson's Burner. So we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Yeah. Go, Sens go, Sens go Sens Go. Bye. <laughs>